listening to RPC Ramblings, a podcast by Rich Hill Presbyterian Church. Hope you enjoy the chat. Hello and welcome back to RPC Ramblings. Um, I hope that you're well, hope that you've had a good summer um, and that you're maybe even getting geared up to getting stuck back in September routine. My name is Leslie Ann Wilkinson. I'm one of the discipleship workers at Rich Hill Presbyterian. And as always, I'm joined by Alex Richardson. Morning, Alex. Morning, Leslie Alex is also one of our discipleship workers at Rich Hill. And today we're also joined by Alistair and Polly McNeely. Morning, guys. Good morning, Leslie Ann. Morning, Alex. Morning. Good to, good to be with you. Yes, we're really glad to have you back. You, you maybe recognize the voices if you don't already know Alistair and Pauline. They've both each been on the podcast before. Um, Alistair is our minister at Rich Hill and Pauline is his lovely wife. So we're very glad to have you both on. But how, how are you guys? How's everything in the manse? Everything in the manse is great. We're doing well. We've got a new little addition um, running around the kitchen at the minute. Aaron and Ian are up at the North Coast, so we're looking after Hudson. Brilliant. So um, he's just pottering about here with us today. <laughs> a little bit of extra company. Yeah, it's testing my sanctification <laughs> um, and love and faithfulness that we're going to look at today. You know, it's been tested, but you know, old dogs can learn new tricks, and that includes myself. I'm learning how to maybe be a wee bit uh, more understanding and loving too. One of God's beautiful creations. Do you know what? That's all a complete cover-up. He really loves Hudson, <laughs> stares at him longingly, <clears throat> and you know is bonding with him very well. It's sad when you get older, you start thinking about dogs and retirement and walking and things like that. You know, it's strange how things change as you get older. But there you are. Well, he is a very cute dog. Like well, I'm obviously pro dog. Like Heidi is like my best friend. But Alex, yeah. you're not as convinced. You're not a big dog person. I know I can't stand dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to bother it up like this. Yeah, Alex, so. can I just say that would have that would have been yeah. Alistair about yeah. 12 months ago. Yeah. But yeah. seriously, the love he has for Hudson has to be seen. Alex, well, maybe he will change you. You know, you will lose your hair. You want to put on weight, and you'll. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe in a few years' time, it'll uh, it'll, it'll be changed. I know, um, but no, not a. I mean, dogs, but not just dogs. I mean, I'm just not a pet fan, to be honest. So. Not even a wee fish or anything you would get now. No, not even a goldfish. I mean, it's just more hassle. I feel on my life, do you know? It's, okay, it's all right. Rachel, does Rachel like pets? Any animals? Um, Rachel would like pets. She, she likes pets. She likes dogs, likes cats, um, anything. But in terms of us getting a dog or anything, um, I'm not so sure. Um, don't think she'd be about it. So, um, well, and that, that's worked out well for you. It has worked out well, yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Good man. But the hilarious thing about that is, Alex, you did grow up with a dog, did you not? Well, I think this is part of the reason why Rachel actually maybe doesn't want the dog now, because I think like our dog is cute, yes, at home, Barney. Um, we call him his Maltese, but I don't know, he was just a wee bit of a puke, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like Rachel, I think, experienced Barney. I was just like, nah, I'm not so sure. Because I think she'd have been, when we were initially dating, she was like, oh, yeah, um, we're getting a dog, we're getting a dog. But I think with her experience with Barney, it was like, mm, I'm not so sure about getting a dog. So. Poor Barney. So I know, poor Barney. Barney is lovely, um, really. But yeah, family love him. But no. Fair so, enough. I know growing up with a dog and not liking dogs, but I think I had a bad experience when I was younger. Um, 
I was bitten the bum by a dog when I was younger. Oh, um, dear. Yeah, I was. I think I was bit more than once, but uh, mum told me about being bitten the bum by a dog, so I think that was it. Because I think before that, I kind of liked dogs, but yeah, I right. imagine that yeah. that would change your opinion, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. so. Well, thank you for coming on, guys. It's really good to see. You. And as Alistair has said today, we are talking about the fact that God is loving and that He is faithful. Um, and this is actually our last episode in our series. We've been considering the character of God um, for, for quite a while now, actually. Um, and what, a, what an appropriate way to end, to consider the love of God. Um, so let's just do that. Let's just jump in and firstly talk about the fact that God is love. Um, I think this is something, by the way, that I tend not to say because it sounds like airy-fairy. You know, and, yet, and yet this is true. It sounds generic. So what do we actually mean when we're saying that God is love? Well, I think we're, we're talking about the very essence of who God is. Um, you, you, he, that is uh, probably his central characteristic. Um, and without it, you know, we, um, we would not know who God is. Um, I, th- what, I think one of the commentators I remember saying years ago that his power is the high of creation, his love is the way of creation. So right at the very beginning, it, it is... Uh, it's, it's there in the midst of who he is and why he has created uh, the world and the universe. It's love is the motivation. Um, I came across, by the way, just I'll keep going here. Um, I came across some by, by, by Tozer uh, years and years ago, if I can still read the, the small print. It says this, I can no more do justice to this awesome and wonderful filled topic than a child can grasp a star. Still, by reaching towards a star, the child may call attention to it and even indicate the direction one must look to see it. And so I stretch my heart towards the high, shining love of God so that we may be encouraged to look up and have hope. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can possibly understand the love of God, but you know, we should try. Mm-hmm. Uh, small as we are, our reach is not very far, but we should certainly try and understand it. I think, Leslie, and you said at the start, sometimes it's the way we use the word love. You know, we might talk about loving a Hudson, loving, yeah. <laughs> loving ice cream, you know, loving a favorite, you know, a football team or whatever. Um, and so, yes, maybe the word love has been undervalued and it's yeah. lost its meaning. Um, but it is so much greater and so vast. The fact that, you know, before the creation of the world, God set his love upon his people, his elect, and set in, you know, in motion the plan of our salvation and our redemption. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, mind-blowing to think Mm -hmm. about the extent of his unconditional love. And I think I was thinking a lot also about Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, that part Mm -hmm. in it where he says, you know, I pray that together with all the saints, we will have be able to grasp you know the height and the depth and the length of of the love of god and mm. um, that, that god has for us in christ jesus and we really do need god's help to help us grasp mm-hmm. how much he loves us and um, because as as that quote from tozer alludes to it is beyond us you know we're only scratching the surface so it's so important that we actually ask god to help us mm-hmm. grasp that love because as we'll probably talk about later that is going to impact our living so profoundly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things uh, that we're probably saying here is that um, in order for us to think correctly about love or to actually understand love at all, um, 
we have to uh, go to God um, to understand love. Um, do you know 1 John 4, 7? Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Mm. Um, do you know, we said there that love can be um, almost bashed about. It can be something that's very generic, um, airy-fairy. Um, love seems to be um, in the air with absolutely everything um, and there's no substance to it. Um, but actually, if we want to correctly understand um, love, um, we must go to, to, to the God of, of the Bible because um, he actually then, that's where we find the substance behind um, love. And I guess we see that then love in Jesus Christ. Do you know, is it 1 John 4, 10? This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as his atoning sacrifice um, for our sins. Um, that's the like, the climax of, of God's love towards us that's in Jesus Christ down for our sins, despite our um, lack of love towards him um, in the first place. Alice, that's very helpful. And that, that 1 John 4 passage, I think, is very, very important when it comes to understanding love. I mean, human love um, is a response to sort of the conditions and the circumstances around us. I mean, interesting, Leslie Ann talked about Alistair and his lovely wife, I think is the word <laughs> earlier on. And, and I mean, and that's right, she is lovely um, inside and out. But you, and I suppose people might understand why I fell in love with, with Polly, because she is loving and lovely and lovable. I'm not trying to be all smarmy here, but um, this, is, this is true. I'm trying to be a good husband. You, d- you definitely get softer as you get older, like definitely. <laughs> But, but I suppose, I mean, I think I, I say this in some of the, the, the wedding services that they do, is that in God's different. I mean, it's easy for me to love Pauline, mm. but God's love is different. I mean, he, he loves, um, we, we tend to love what's loving and lovable mm. and um, lovely, but he, he loves what's basically mm. ugly and disfigured. Mm. And, um, and he doesn't have to try and build up love. He doesn't have to work hard at it. Um, he, he never falls out of love with us. He, he, he never will say to us, you know, I used to love you, but I don't love you anymore. Um, or stop loving you. So it's, and I think maybe that's why, and then you go back to this airy fairy kind of notion. We, we've got to be very careful that we don't think about love and, at a human level and say, oh, that's the way God loves us. It, it is that, but it's much, much, yeah. much more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and born out of his very character. So our love, as you said, Al, is always a response you know, it's not because we ourselves are are loving in our essence, whereas God is, and therefore he loves differently. Um, yeah, and I suppose so someone had said about the threefold nature of God's love, I thought this is helpful, that he loves universally, so toward the universe, his creatures in creation. He loves his love toward all human beings, both the elect and those that are not, and then his special love toward his people. And I suppose that's where you were starting to head, Alex, and you were saying about how we see this in Christ. So how do we see the love of God in Christ? How do we see that special love toward the elect? Yeah, I, I mean, I think we've touched um, on it already with, with, with Christ um, and with, with God and his love. But, you know, Christ uh, is the idea of like love as being willing um, to have your life complicated in a sense um, with, you know, the needs and the struggles of others without being impatient or angry towards them. And I think what we're saying is our love is often one where we love things that are lovable, that are easy to love, where Christ, um, not that it was the, the opposite, but you know, a lot of the time he was willing um, to slow down, to be with people, to embrace people um, who were considered hard to love in, in society um, without being impatient, without being angry, 
Um, he just loved them for who they were. And I guess I'm thinking of the, you know, Matthew 15, the, the faith, the story of the Canaanite woman. And she comes in desperate need um, for Jesus. She knows that Jesus is her only hope um, and only hope for her daughter who's, who's sick. And she's, she's crying out. She's begging for Jesus. Um, and, and the disciples, I find it just astonishing. The disciples um, say to Jesus, send her away for she is crying out after us. Um, the disciples have been, they're probably spent from, from loving people, from being with Jesus and having so many people. But their response is, you know, patience, send her away. We don't want anything to do with her. And yet Jesus um, is, is willing to embrace her. And this Canaanite woman, um, you know, not a Jew who's, who's, who's out of the, the covenant, if you like. And he, um, he embraces her and he, uh, he, you know, he makes time for her. Um, and, and loves her and um, ultimately then he, he goes on to talk about um, her faith which which he is he has granted her um, but I just think that's the constant posture of of Jesus throughout the gospels where other people are like why is he spending time with these people they're impatient they're angry um, and he just has time for to to be involved in the mess you know the brokenness of, of people's lives um, without being impatient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about even the passage we reread last night and mm. um, before we went to pray together, you know, in Philippians about how um, Jesus mm-hmm. loved us so much that he mm. was willing to leave the glory of heaven, to humble himself, to become obedient, um, even to death on a cross. So the incarnation, um, mm. we totally see God's love for us in Christ mm. Jesus. Um, I, I read in, in a book recently, um, the, the writer quoted Thomas Goodwin and he said, Christ is love covered over in flesh. Mm. And so, you know, that is the incarnation. But then mm. ultimately it's on the cross. We see that love, the pinnacle of that love. Mm. Um, so, you know, it can trip off our tongues. We say, yeah. Jesus loved you. He died for you. But we need to really let that sink in. Um, but then also a lot recently I've been thinking, I suppose, we look back to the cross and say, you know, God loves us so much. Christ died for us. But I don't know about you. Sometimes when you slip up, when you mess up the same sin again, you start to wonder in the back of your mind, does God really love me? Does Jesus really love me? Because I've messed up so many times and you wonder what is his heart for me now? Mm. But yet it's constantly a heart of love. And I know I've talked about a book that I read over the summer um, by Dane Ortland, Gentle and Lowly. Oh, what a book. It is an amazing book. But two of the chapters in particular that really impacted me um, were the chapters on the fact that Jesus is interceding for us and also the fact that Jesus is our advocate. Two things that we maybe don't think about so much um, and yet those two doctrines really tell us so much about the love that Jesus has for us now. You know, that he is interceding for us, that he is our advocate mm. before the Father, that he is, not that God needs to be reminded about the fact that we have Christ's righteousness, but Jesus is there before the Father saying, this is your child. Your child has got the righteousness of Christ imputed to him or her because of my death on the cross. And, you know, grasping that 
just blows your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I am a sinner. I am weak. I mess up. But that does not alter Jesus' love for me one little bit. And that is something about Jesus' love that I need to learn every day, moment by moment, because I'm so tempted to think, surely Jesus can't still love me. You know, I've messed up again. So so the love of, of God to us in Christ really impacts our living because we don't grasp that. It affects our heart and our mind. You know, we can be a wee bit down. We don't have the joy that we should have. We don't serve the way we should. But if we begin to grasp that we're unconditionally loved by Jesus, despite our mess, it totally changes the way we live and the way we think. And I, I think that's uh, so right. And we, we as believers need to hold on to all of that. But it's interesting how Leslie Ann started off there. She talked about the three threefold nature of love and of course what what Pauline's been describing there I suppose is the pinnacle of God's special love for his people special grace or saving grace the second one you mentioned was common grace or common love towards all human beings and I think we need to be we need to be careful that we that um, we explain this to people because mm-hmm. while the, the love of God is widely believed it is also badly misunderstood mm-hmm. And it can lead us into universalism very, very easily. Yeah. So God is love. So how can he um, not take me um, to heaven? And I, I think we need to be, um, you know, we need to be remembering that. And um, God's love is for his people. Mm. And that's what Paul has been talking about. But his love to unbelievers or people who are not his people, that that has a, is, is, is so different. Um, and they need to come in. And um, they need to experience um, you, this this idea of the, the the elect being saved. Well, then these folks need to need to be among the elect to, mm-hmm. to truly and fully understand and accept and experience God's love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think on that, Al, when we define things and you know, talk about universalism, God being loving means that he has revealed himself to us. Like that, that is such a loving thing of him to do where he has spoke truth um, to us. And so we are, um, we, we, we can know the truth. We can know this, this God, but his love is, again, it's not just a generic love in the sense that we can define it. Um, his love is defined by what he has spoken um, mm-hmm. to us. Um, and so we need to be, coming to scripture mm-hmm. in order to, to understand love because he is the, the mm-hmm. source of love. I think when love, when we try to define love on our grounds, then of course you can run into all, um, you know, different dangers. Um, yeah. And that's why probably it's been so good in this series of looking at multiple attributes yeah. of God, yeah. because, you know, if you just had a podcast series where you looked at different aspects of the love of God, you you know, you could be in dangerous territory, but you've, you've thought about, you know, the justice of God and, you know, God loves us and because of what Christ has done for us, you know, my, my security in God's love is because of what Christ has done. And I am basing my hope on the fact that Jesus died for me and I am trusting in that. 
um, and so to experience the full extent of the love of God, we do need to come and put our trust in the work of Jesus on the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll have touched on that when you looked at different a- attributes of God as well in the past weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, I think that's helpful, Pauline, that this is um, like taking all of this into consideration because we've said many times we want to say everything about God at once because all of it's true at once and all, all of it is who he is and yet we can't say it all at once. Um, so it's helpful to take that all. Um, so Pauline, you'd, you'd already started to say, but if we all just may consider how does this actually change our day-to-day lives? I think you, you helpfully had already said that it's, it's crucial that we grasp this because it has huge implications. But maybe we could flesh that out a little bit more. Like, how does it actually affect our daily living? Well, maybe, can, can I, I know you maybe addressed Pauline there. No, 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 but, everyone. Well, last time, apparently, you asked somebody a, a question. You asked Alex a question and I just dived in, you know, which is typical. No, no, it's fair. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> up. But I do think what you're getting to now is nitty gritty. I mean, what, mm-hmm. how, does that, how does that affect our day-to-day living? And, um, and that's where the, the 1 John 4 passage thing is very yeah. important because uh, he says, everyone who loves in other words, God, God, um, love comes from God, is what he says in verse 7. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. But we need to understand how John uses the term born and knows. Um, he's born of God. That means he's in a relationship with God or she's in a relationship with God. And knows God means that they're in an intimate fellowship with God. So mm-hmm. everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And what, what he's saying there is that if you're born of God, in other words, if you're a Christian and you are maturing, um, knowing God, then you will love, but you cannot love unless you have that maturity. So it's possible to be saved, born of God and not love, but it's impossible to be mature and know God and not love. Now, that's very wordy. I know when I sometimes I try and share that at a a, a wedding ceremony and I think I just, you see people glazing over that glazing over with all this but I say it again it's possible to be saved that is born of God and not love it is possible it's wrong but it's possible but it's impossible to be mature that is born of God and no God and not love and I think it's very important that we realize and that's why I think and I touched on it last night when we were in the Philippians 2 before the prayer meeting is that immature Christians who are selfish. It's not because they're not Christians, it's because they're not mature Christians. Um, and I think if we're going to um, love the way God wants us to love and be like him in a loving way, it requires maturity. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why we struggle because we're not mature. It's maybe why the church struggles because we're not mature. We're born of God, yes, but we're not we're not mature in God, and therefore we find loving difficult and we find selfishness easy. Yeah, I think, um, you know, not just the attribute of love, but all of, all of the attributes that you've looked at, the more we seek to understand God's love for us and, and indeed his whole character, the more that should impact mm-hmm. our living. Um, you know, there is a danger that it could just be head knowledge, mm-hmm. but obviously if we go about it in a humble way, prayerfully, mm-hmm. um, asking God to 
allow this insight into who he is to shape us and yeah. to impact our living. So take what we're thinking about today, the fact that God is loving, you know, as we explore that and delve more into the fact that God loves us, that his love is unconditional, that it is eternal, you know, that it will never stop and that it is sacrificial. As we grasp the various aspects of God's love, you know, the hope is that the Holy Spirit will take that knowledge and that understanding and massage it into our hearts and our lives. And so as a natural overflow of that, we will become more loving people. We will become a more loving church. We will, you know, again, we thought about it a lot last night in that passage in Philippians, you know, if you have any encouragement, mm. all the different things that, that um, Paul lists there, then, you know, mm-hmm. do certain things. Um, and the Bible's full of that, you know, in the Bible, especially in Paul's letters, we get all the doctrine and we get all the mm. teaching, you know, um, all the, the gospel indicatives as it were, but then it always leads on to gospel commands or imperatives, things that we should be doing. So we do certain things um, not to earn God's love, but because we're already loved by him. Mm-hmm. So um, those, the knowledge of who God is should kind of fuel our living and our loving of other people. Mm-hmm. I think what you said there, Pauline, is that um, you know, we, we, we love because we have been first loved mm-hmm. um, by God in Jesus Christ. And you think about Christ's love. Um, I think the one um, word that springs to mind is that it was a sacrificial mm-hmm. um, love. Uh, and so I guess our love is to be um, yeah. a sacrificial love. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier about Jesus was willing to have his life complicated um, by the needs and the, the struggles of others without being impatient. Um, and I think in many ways, that's what sacrificial love is. And I think that's what it's to look like for, for us with, with one another um, in church, with, with those family, with those closest to us, you know, marriage. Um, mm. I think like all of us have needs and struggles. Um, you know, Rachel is, is, is needy. Um, I would say I'm much more needier. Um, than her but Rachel is is needy there are struggles there are things that go on in her life that um, she and I probably would not want um, to go on I think that's the same for for all of us and um, there's things come in their lives that we'd rather not have but they do um, and I think sacrificial love is is being ready to to listen and um, without an agenda and um, to give space and time um, to those moments where where people need to to talk and um, where people need that love that care um, and I mean, that manifests itself in, in a variety of ways, that sacrificial love, um, c- certainly in marriage. Um, but I think, how, how, do we, how do we love sacrificially? Well, it's by looking to Jesus um, in order to do that. I'm not sure, Leslie, I'm thinking about the, the implications of, of God's love for us. Uh, maybe I went off on a, a tangent, but we thinking about you know, our love then for our neighbor for our spouses alex already mentioned our family uh, our our neighbors even our enemies um and i suppose it's the two corinthians 5 idea that mm-hmm. god compels us to reach the lost so in other words we, you know, there, there are implications from from mm-hmm. god's love for us that we are to love in a similar kind of way 
we cannot do it the same way, but that sacrificial love that Alex mentioned to spouse, to children, to parents, to neighbors, to, to enemies, mm -hmm. even, um, and to the lost especially, so that we might uh, tell them of, that, of Christ's death and uh, his salvation. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's all of that, isn't it? And um, the implication to you then for the church, I think, is quite challenging. So how, you know, we can't claim to love God and hate His bride. Um, yes, you know, that that's a contradiction in terms. And and yet, I think this maybe does creep up in the church. We wouldn't say we hate people, but we certainly don't try to love people, or, or we don't um, choose to love people that maybe aren't similar to us or aren't in our I don't know, our stage of life or, or whatever it might be. And yet that's the very reflection of Christ's love toward us. His bride is that we love one another um, in, in a sacrificial way, in a humble way, in a way that doesn't really make sense to the world. I actually was saying this recently, like, you know, the gospel is such a, a leveler. You know, we're all in this level playing field now where you can have these, I don't know, like these top shop or hot shot business people with, you know, university students and you know, they just, can communicate and lovingly because of the gospel, because of the love we've, we have experienced in Christ. And that's quite unique. You know, it's, there's nowhere else really in society that we have such a leveler mm -hmm. and the church should be reflective of that. And I think this is just another way then that that is mm -hmm. an implication of, of Christ's love toward us. Yeah. And the evangelistic dimension of that, mm -hmm. as you alluded to, you know, even back in the early church, you know, see how they love each other yeah. was a comment that was made. Mm -hmm. um, and you know that should be sadly mm -hmm. it often isn't but that should be the mark of a healthy church mm -hmm. is that we have love for one another and um, even though if we are different in so many ways you know humanly speaking as you've already outlined leslie-ann but the fact that we are united in christ means that we have that common bond mm -hmm. and that love and we're closer to the people who are our brothers and sisters in Christ than any other person in the world. Um, so yeah, so Christ is our example, but he's also our enabler. Yeah. And the more we um, bask in the love that God has for us, mm -hmm. despite all our oddities and sin, um, then the easier it will be to show love to other people despite their oddities yeah. and sin because we have received that and continue to receive that unconditional love from God. And even Al, you mentioned earlier that it's, it can be easy to love people who are, it's easier to love people who are lovable or who are like us. But actually, um, I think one of the ways in which the, the love of Christ is to play out in our relationships in the church is that we are to resist um, minor conflicts um do you know where to overlook yeah. be quick to overlook those minor conflicts or if people do hurt us actually where we're to be different from from the world is um we are to to go and reconcile um there is forgiveness because the love of christ there is forgiveness in the cross for us um, and so it's not just in the the easier moments or the good moments but actually in those harder moments those those difficult moments with each other um because of our union with Christ, um, there is to be forgiveness, reconciliation. Um, and not that that's like easy or just something that happens. Um, do you know, uh, it's, it's not easy. Um, and trust can take a long time to be, to be built up again. But um, because of Christ, um, because of what he has done, because of our union um, together with him or in him, um, there is that ability, that enabling 
love and grace mm -hmm. to be able to reconcile with each other. And, and like so many things, the more it's done, the easier and more natural it becomes. So it's like training, you know, when you um, do a certain exercise that you've never done before and you hurt in a place that you never felt before. It's the same in spiritual life as we, as we love when it's hard, as we forgive, as we turn the other cheek. You know, we're using those spiritual muscles that maybe have got a bit lazy, but over time they're built up and then it becomes a more natural thing to do with with god's help and, and that's why i would be concerned that um and again i've mentioned once or twice uh, that in with lockdown there's certain things we've been able to do from a distance um, prayer meetings have happened over zoom mm. we've had teaching all kinds of podcasts and things but the one thing we couldn't do is love one another um being together and uh, now we can phone people and we can encourage people by notes and letters and things but we haven't been able to have that fellowship um, and and I think it's hard enough to, to love believers when we are together so mm -hmm. a lot harder when we're not together so I'm hoping and praying that we will make the effort as a people to really show our love uh, to to each other when we are able to be back together again and uh, hopefully it'll be soon yeah i think that's huge um our time our time is marching on so we maybe will just move on and just talk briefly maybe on the fact that god is faithful because really this is almost a culmination of all of his character because he is faithful to his character so what, what do we actually mean when we say that god is faithful well, I think it means that everything he says and does is certain. He's 100% yeah. reliable 100% of the time, and therefore he does not fail, he does not forget, he does not falter, he does not change, he does not disappoint. He says what he means, he means what he says. Um, uh, one illustration I remember years ago, I, I, I preached on Lamentations 3, by the way, if, uh, if you allow me a minute or two, I'll, I'll yeah, yeah. set out the, the context. But th th this, this particular... Um, a commentator said, if you imagine a car engine, and I find that very difficult, so I have no idea about how a car engine works, but there are apparently there are things like pistons and pumps and belts and a thousand other moving parts, and they all work together harmoniously. What he said was that the faithfulness of God um, is, is part of uh, one of those parts of that engine, but all the other characteristics are like all the other pieces of the engine. But faithfulness is like the oil of the engine. It keeps the internal parts running smoothly. So in other words, um, when, God's, when does God's love fail, we might ask. Never. Why? Because he's faithful. Um, when is God less than holy? Never. Because he's faithful in his holiness. And so it goes on. Um, and I, I've often, I've never forgot that illustration. And I thought to myself, yes, that's why we believe him and, and, and we love him and and i suppose the um the lamentations three passage is absolutely fantastic because uh, in the early part of that he he lists out nine laments which which actually would really i mean of course jeremiah was a kind of depressive character he feels god is angry with him verse one he feels he's in the dark uh, verse two he feels that god's against him Verse three, he feels mental and physical pain. Verse four, no way of escape. Verse five and seven, his prayers aren't being answered. Verse eight, people don't understand him. Verse 14, he's ready to give up. Verse 17, his hope is gone. 18 to 20, and yet 
he turns around and he makes you know, this fabulous statement. Um, he says, yet this I will call to mind, and therefore I have hope because of the Lord's great love. They are mm. love. We are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I, you know, that is the classic, I think, yeah. passage about God's faithfulness. And despite everything, and many people say, you know, oh, I feel God's angry with me. I feel distant from him. Um, nobody's listening to my prayers, blah, blah, blah. Great is your faithfulness. We're not consumed. Um, we're not destroyed. He, he, every day he provides for us. So, yeah, I, I think this is a fantastic um, subject as well. And probably the best one maybe to finish with, if it is really the oil of the characters mm-hmm. of God, characteristics of God, then it's good to finish with that. I just um, also want to think of the faithfulness of God. Um, one aspect that really encourages my heart is that God is faithful to me mm. and you know that he who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion and mm-hmm. um, the fact that yeah. nothing can start snatch me out of God's hand and um, that I am eternally secure in him you know Jude's doxology mm-hmm. now to him music keep you from falling you know I fall all the time if my salvation you know, was dependent on me. It would be lost years ago, multiple times, but it is not. It is dependent on Christ. Mm. Um, and he holds me fast. He will not let me go. Mm. So that just, you know, it's like the helmet of salvation. That keeps me sane. That mm. keeps me steady. Um, because my day, biggest disappointment in life is me, is when I fail and when I mess and when I sin. So my greatest encouragement in life is God, because despite my failures and my sin, this God has promised to be faithful to me. You know, it says when, when I am faithless, he is faithful. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's just my rock. That is my foundation that keeps me keeps me keeping on really and it's in jesus that all of this is true um do you know all the promises uh, of scripture um are true for us in christ Mm -hmm. um do you know that god will never leave us Um, i know we've mentioned someone already god will never leave us um, nor forsake us that Mm -hmm. is true because of christ's um, Mm -hmm. life death uh, and sacrifice um and so it's, we look to Christ in all of this. And I just think there's so much hope and comfort as it's already been said. You know, you just think about security. Um, my security is not that I hold tightly to Christ um, as much as I'm called to. It's that Christ holds tightly um, to me. Um, that, that, is the, that is the real hope um, there is in the gospel because there are times when I, um, um, I'm faithless. There are times when I don't live up to the the calling that um, there is in Scripture for my life. There's times when I'm not the husband I should be. Um, do you know so many things? And um, there's times I'm not the friend that, that I should be. Um, uh, and yet, um, it's, it's easy in those moments to to doubt, to be um, to be concerned if I'm good enough, if if Christ still loves me, um, because of my work or how good or bad I am. Um, 
those are moments where there can be real guilt, real shame, and those are moments that actually could lead to running away mm. um, rather than running to Christ. But actually, those are the moments where we need to be reminded and to remind ourselves, um, you know, it's Christ who holds tightly to me. And so I come to him um, and receive his grace again um, and his, his empowerment, um, his forgiveness and his empowerment um, to change. Mm. I think security is a big thing, you know, um, what happens you know, in a marriage situation where where suddenly um, a spouse doesn't love the other uh, spouse, uh, or they make a serious mistake, um, they mess up, they sin, they, they, something goes badly wrong. Very often, the relationship is, is broken, um, or certainly very seriously damaged. And um, God's faithfulness means that actually. That can never happen to us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's this. It brings security into. He's faithful to us no matter what. So, mm-hmm. uh, if I mess up, um, if I doubt, if, if I sin, if um, if I make a serious mistake, he will be faithful to me. Not an excuse, by the way, just to be careless. But um, it's good to know um, that we have a, a, you know, a faithful, a faithful God who holds us forever and ever, even when we are not deserving of it. And, and I guess on that, like Alice security, you know, I think security then can lead to freedom, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the sense that what are all the things that the world tells us and we, can, we ourselves can be tempted to place our security in money. Um, so we work endless hours um, to, to, to try and um, accumulate more money, more stuff, possessions. And, um, you know, we work and we work, we, we spend and we spend ban all these things to to bring this sense of security in our lives and um, people's opinions. Um, we we live out of a fear of of others, and so we we live in a way where we try to impress and please them, um, in order for them to love us or to to say um, nice things about us. Um, all of those things can be stripped away. You know, people's opinions can can change in a moment. Um, Money can be taken us, job loss uh, in the midst of a potentially a pandemic. Um, Lots of things can change. Those aren't constant things. Those aren't things that are eternal. Um, But Christ's love for us, um, his faithfulness towards us is something that is eternal, that is consistent. um, And that is where we ultimately find true security. Um, And it's when we rest in him, it's when we place our security in, in, in him. Um, that there's freedom um, from chasing all the things of this world, from chasing and um, people's opinions. Um, yeah, there's there's real freedom found in Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like I suppose further implications too, that God's faithfulness to us in Christ enables us to be faithful to Him and to others. So we've already sort of talked about how how He is the one that um, that perseveres us, He keeps us. Um, but because of his faithfulness to us, we can then be faithful to others within the church, outside of the church, within, within marriage, friendships. Um, mm. Because otherwise we're not. Like that is not our um, like gut reaction or it's not our, our inclination. Um, it is only because of Christ's faithfulness to us that we are even slightly enabled to be faithful to others as well. Um, and we're, we're called to this. You know, throughout scripture, we're, we're called to faithfulness because he is faithful as a reflection of who he is, as a response, even as a witness, I suppose, again, um, that people will see, especially maybe in a society where that's not the norm at all. 
it's actually odd for someone to remain faithful to their word or to their vows or, or just integrity in general. It's a real witness then when, when God's people are, are people of faithfulness um, in a non-committal society. I think that says a lot even. Um, so yeah, but I love Alistair, your illustration of the oil. I think that's really appropriate that, that this is where we're finishing that. Um, and there's many things that we have not said that we, we haven't been able to have time to say about God's character. And to be honest, like we could spend every week from here to eternity and not be able to say it all anyway. Um, but I think that that's a really helpful way to consider that the, the fact that God is faithful means he is faithful to his character. So he is faithful to his wisdom, his holiness, his patience, all of these things we've considered because he is faithful, we can trust him and we have hope in the character of God, um, which is a, an incredible thing. Um, we are finishing up. This is our, our last episode um, of our Peace Around Lanes, of, of our series on God's characteristics, his attributes. Um, so I guess if, if we wanted to like, finish it up there, like we spent quite a few weeks actually on the character of God, being more than people thought was possible, and yet we have not said it all. Um, so what would we want to say to someone who has maybe been listening along and has not ever considered these things before? Just maybe either wouldn't call themselves a Christian or would, but certainly hasn't thought too much on the character of God. What would we want to say to that person? Well, uh, let's say that that's a, a crucial question. So, well, we're made in the image of God. That's what the Bible tells us. That's why we're so significantly different to every other creature that God has made. So if we're made in the image of God, it's crucial that we understand who God is. We've got to know who God is. Um, and, and that's why um, it's not just a matter of you know, faith, you know, crossing your fingers mm. and, and hoping. Um, it, it, we need to, it's the object of our faith is the key thing, not the strength of our faith. So mm. some people you know, have faith in faith. You know, oh, I believe, they say, but they're only really having belief in belief or faith in faith. Mm. It's the object of the faith that's key. Um, and that's why we need to know who God is in all his attributes. And in many ways, actually, when you look at every single one of them, you actually can see, um, because we're made in the image of God, you can see some of that mm. in us at our best. You know, we, we have power, we have knowledge, we have, we, we have love, um, we have holiness at times, not all the time, of course, in a restricted sense. So, that, so there is something, and it does make sense to me. And that's why the more I get to know God, the more I get to know what we should be like, what we can be like. But of course, knowing God should lead us on to being saved by God or rescued by God, because what separates us from him, despite the fact we're made in his image, is the sin that uh, we read about it particularly in Genesis 3 and then to the rest of the Bible. So he created us, um, sin destroyed us, but Christ came to redeem us, to fix us, to save us, to rescue us. And it's in him we must put our trust. And of course, the best is yet to come with the new heaven and the new earth at the end of time uh, as we know it. So I would say to those who um, are listening in who don't know um, Christ, don't know salvation, then this is crucial to understand who God is. Mm. But the point of it all is to lead you, you know, not just, it's not information, it's transformation. We want to see you transformed by, by the grace of God, by salvation. Um, and you've got to come to the cross. You've got to um, see there 
uh, you're uh, the one who died for your sin so that you might indeed be forgiven and indwelt by him. So that's what I'd say to unbelievers. So to believers who are listening in, we're really um, very thankful that you give up the time to, to, to listen. Um, and perhaps you're a believer and perhaps you're, you have no church connection. Um, then certainly we want to say to you that we want to continue to help you in any way we possibly can um, and uh, be in contact with either Leslie Ann or uh, Alex. Um, they're our discipleship workers and, and they will be very, very pleased to uh, give you some help. Um, and and, and the, I suppose the beauty of, of, of um, the kind of thing we're doing, this Zoom meeting or this Zoom recording, is that you can be on the other side of the world and still receive help. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it. But locally, if you're living locally and you're a believer uh, and you're maybe struggling where you are or where you're not, then we, we are willing to help. So please do take up that offer. The last thing I want to say, by the way, is a big, big thank you um, to you two, uh, Leslie Ann and Alex, for um, running through this whole um, series. It must be about 18 or 19, perhaps, so by the time we get to the end of them, or 20. So thank you, and thank you too to your guests who have been uh, absolutely mm. wonderful. Uh, maybe we're the exception, us two. <laughs> but the, 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 your guests have been absolutely wonderful. So thank you, you two, for all the work that you put into this. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure. And, and that is the end. I think that's a great way to end, Alistair. Um, yes, thank you. Thank you to everyone who has listened along or who has joined. It is, this is our last episode of, of the podcast. It started out, Alex, remember all those months ago in lockdown, kind of like a panic. We need to do something. Everyone was producing something. And it started off as our response to COVID-19. And yet actually this current series has been such a privilege to get to consider the very character of God, the one that we worship, in order to worship him more truly and more earnestly. Um, and it is our prayer as this started out as um, a hope and a prayer that, that these conversations would continue in people's homes. And that is our, our continued prayer that uh, just as the podcast ends, you would be challenged and equipped to continue these conversations in your homes, in your small groups, with your friends, wherever it is that you are. Um, and Al as Alistair has said, if you are local, um, we'd love to see you at RPC, especially now that we are able to meet in person very soon. Um, and we do have something called ABC, it's Adult Bible Class, which is, well, we're not sure when that'll be starting up necessarily, but it's before the church service. And really that's what this is. It's a time where we'll chat about some sort of teaching and then discuss it so we'd really love to see you along if you've benefited from the podcast at all i think you'd really enjoy the discussion element of abc and so we'd love to have you along to that as well but that is all all we have to say and we look forward to seeing you very soon and now that we're at the end of summer we look forward to seeing you safely but to seeing those that we love and those that maybe have only heard of RPC in this time. We look forward to meeting you in person. So thank you for listening along. Bye.